Welcome to the Lady Palace Podcast. We are your hosts, Bella and Amanda. We're just a couple of gals who are on a mission to shake up the status quo around women's health. Come and delve into the depths with us as we start the conversations to empower, educate, create change and connect you back home into your lady house. Now it's up to every woman to know what's inside of the ovaries, the womb, every part of her vagina. They're different sizes, shapes and all colors. Life starts from a yoni straight from our mothers. Fertility. New creation and the taboo. Let's start a conversation. Your yoni is your homie, so lift her up higher. Ladies, say you're proud. I love my vagina. Woman, power, goddess, flower, lady, palace, click, click, boom. I'm a woman and my body is a temple, and my yoni is connected to my mental. All right, it's the Boom Tang Clan with Ballerina Amanda. Welcome to the Lady Palace podcast. This episode, we sat down with Sharon Bolt, medicine woman, therapist, energy coach, medical intuitive, shamanic healer, and teacher. This conversation with Sharon was so profound and expansive on so many levels. We spoke about the powerhouse that is the womb, healing ancestral lineage, finding complete alignment on your path, practicing radical self-love, and honoring the transition throughout a woman's life cycle. She even shares her journey from corporate advertising to Taoist Qigong practitioner and how this transformation became her life's work. We think you're really going to love this episode just as much as we did, so get cozy with a warm drink and enjoy. So to kickstart our first podcast... We have the incredible Sharon Bolt with us today. Sharon is an intuitive, multidisciplinary therapist who has a long life experiential background in healing and a long list of accreditations, um, working in kinesiology, shadow work, ancestral lineage, womb healing, hypnogenics practitioner. She's a past life regressionist, a quantum consciousness facilitator, NLP practitioner, a holistic healer, health consultant, energy coach. (laughs) The list goes on. She's a ceremonialist. I mean, really, it's it's incredible the line of work that you do considering your background of where you've come from working uh, in the corporate world as a advertising director. Um, so we'd love for you to be able to share with our listeners your catalyst for change and how you came to be working in the field that you are now. Right. Thank you. And thanks for repeating that long list. I do overdo it. I love, love studying. And this year, we I'm going to finish my family constellations uh, facilitator training. And, you know, if I could do acupuncture, I would, but I think I have to stop. Like, I literally need to stop. Right? But if you said to me, you know what, Sharon, go on, I just keep going because I love uh, wisdom and learning and I always tap. And yeah. so I've always been attracted to the occult sciences and esoteric work from a very young age, mm-hmm. but pursued a career in advertising. And this is a true story because my parents would not let me be 
uh, hip hop music video director. <laughs> There's always that creative wow. side in there. Uh, I, I wanted to be a hip hop music video director. They would not give me the funds or send me to the college, which was far away from home. It was a multimedia college. And I thought, if I can't be, if I can't be that, what the hell am I going to be? <laughs> May as well just See, go into this, advertising. Might as well go into advertising. It came about because I met uh, two creatives and they were wearing shorts and a T-shirt and having a really good time during the day. And I was like, what do you do? <laughs> the creatives in an advertising agency. I'm like, I want your job. <laughs> that's that's oh how I got gosh. into advertising. I love I, it. I just want to have a job where I can be creative all the time. But anyway, fast forward, and you know what corporate's like. I was mm. doing eighty-hour weeks. I'm mm. just burning the candles at both ends. Completely. And I was in London, and the culture really supports that. So you start off really early in the morning, and you know they give you breakfast and dinner, so you stay longer. Yeah. <laughs> they entice <laughs> you, don't they? <laughs> and probably to work <laughs> through. Now, if you work past eight o'clock, we'll give you a bottle of wine. We'll oh. give you dinner. Um, it's six thirty. You're like another hour and a half. I'm just going to stay on anyway. And it got it got to be very very toxic. Mm. Um. Around about that time, I came across Stuart Wilde, who was a big metaphysical teacher back in the day, yeah. and started going to these workshops in London. And the one thing he kept telling everyone was, I don't want to see you unless you do Qigong. If you don't understand energy, I don't want you in my space. Mm, oh my God, I have to learn Qigong, right? Yeah. I, I have to. And so I started, I was still working advertising, but learning Qigong, traveling all around London oh. to different Qigong colleges, um, just seeing what I liked. Yep. Getting a taste Found for that, different styles. Yeah. Different styles. You know, there's Chinese Qigong, there's Korean Qigong. Mm -hmm. There's lots of more martial art versions, more Tai Chi versions. And I just wanted to find one that really worked for me. And I did synchronistically. I found a Korean version in a Taoist center in London. And I started training with them. And after I trained with them, my energy started getting better. And so I got promoted very quickly at work. But as I was getting promoted, I was feeling nothing. I just felt numb. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I should be the happiest person in the planet right now. And I feel nothing. And then you realize I'm actually climbing the wrong mountain. Yes. Mm. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I was climbing the wrong mountain and it was a very heavy backpack to carry because it wasn't my full passion. Yes. Um, the only thing I enjoyed about advertising is part of my role was helping train the graduates. So I love training people and promoting growth mm -hmm. and mentoring. So that was already part of my job back then. Anyway, um, when I realized that, I quit at the height of my career <laughs> to join the Korean Taoist organization. Mm. I basically went from earning a lot of money to not getting paid. To being a student Just, again. Oh, my God. Food and board. Yeah. Food, carry water. You live with your master. Yeah. Right? This was intense. You live with the master. You're not allowed to question the master, speak back to the master, or have tantrums or any of that stuff, you literally train five, six hours a day with Qigong, clean the floors on your hands and knees, <laughs> make tea, mm. and basically go through that process. So um, I did that you back. two years from time. Uh, that is. <laughs> wow.
Wow. I mean, that is a full training really, isn't it? Of just stripping you back to your bare necessities um, and coming from that corporate world of, you know, having the world at your feet and then to be on the floors scrubbing and in training every day, it sort of gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Absolutely. And one thing they did, which was really mean, is just because you said having the world at your feet. I used to, this was a program. I'm going to talk about programs, I think, coming up soon. Uh, obsessed with expensive shoes. You know, the sign of shoes. Mm. I used to buy them all. And um, <laughs> that's the only thing I carry into the Dower Center, like a little black bag of shoes, <laughs> which they donated to charity. Oh, wow. When I was teaching to become one day. <gasps> so I was left with a pair of flip-flops. <laughs> and they're like, ego death. You don't need those shoes. Yeah. And it was like, that That was the last thing. Yes. Like, you know, it's like letting price. go completely. Like, that was the last thing. They're like, you're allowed a little bag and that's it. With your flip-flops. <laughs> With my flip-flops. And actually, ever since then, I've never had more than three pairs of shoes. I only have three pairs of shoes. I love it. Wow. Just on rotation. Back to <laughs> That's all we need. Winter shoes, summer shoes, flip-flops. <laughs> And how interesting as well going from like almost polar opposites, like from high-flying like advertising exec in London Mm -hmm. to training in a Taoist community with like bare basics. Like it's not as if you had a subtle shift and like eventually made your way into that. Like you went from one extreme almost Mm -hmm. to the other. One extreme to the other. You weren't allowed to wear makeup. You weren't allowed to have your hair down. My hair was in a bun. And the outfit was very much no part of your body is to be revealed. So very baggy. And with that training. Well, it was the beginning of the deprogram. <laughs> yeah, the beginning of the deprogramming. And Sorry. so with that, with your training, had you had any interest in like energy healings before this or sort of was this your real sort of first introduction into working with energy? I've been going to the Qigong classes um, every day mm-hmm. of yeah. the week yeah. because I love them so much. Sometimes I'd go first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Mm-hmm. So I went from an obsession with weightlifting because they said you have to one or the other. You're either a gym junkie or you do the energy work. Yeah. So at the time I was obsessed. I, that, that's the pattern, obsessed with weightlifting. <laughs> <laughs> in the masculine. <laughs> Yeah, that was the masculine pattern, right? Very masculine pattern. And changed to Qigong. And they did notice the masculine pattern, by the way. And um, when we got to pick our Qigong outfits, I picked this black, you know, gold dragon outfit. And the master was like, no, you're wearing light pink. And he had a swan at the back or something. It's like, this is your pink marshmallow outfit. Embracing and started. That's the introduction into the feminine to start embracing the uh, opposite side. <laughs> embrace completely, embrace the feminine and receiving and all of those things. So um, did that for two years and then uh, realized that because I grew up in religious institutions, that that this system had an intermediary, just like all the religious institutions. Mm -hmm. So there was a belief within the system that you can't connect to heaven, God, goddess, whatever you want, unless you go via your master. 
Yes. Mm. Mm. What? Yeah. So it's and like that that figure again, that sort of a tar- uh, authority figure. Absolutely. And I just thought, whoa, I can't keep doing this. Mm. I can't keep being part of organizations that don't allow me direct connection to the divine. Yeah. Mm. Because in that sense, it's sort of disempowering as self because it's not you can actually connect to the divine and to higher consciousness. It's through something else or it's through an organized religion or it's through like something else. But I feel like as self, that's really disempowering because it's within us. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And so I saw the training for what it was. I'm so, so grateful because I still incorporate that training to this day, Mm. but had to go back to advertising so I could pay for all my ongoing training after that, which was the kinesiology and everything else. Yes. Wow. When I went back to advertising, I went back a completely different person. So... You go I back. feel the stress as much as I used to before. I I could play the game from an observer perspective and yeah. enjoy it and actually make the most of it instead of like before I used to hate it. And especially if that was also your means to an end in terms of facilitating financially your ability to go and study other um, modalities and things that you're more passionate about, it's you kind of create a little bit of detachment because it's like, I'm not, this isn't my permanence. This is now facilitating me to be able to go and Mm -hmm. do the things that I'm truly passionate about, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. It is good to have the money. It's good to be able to pay for things and not be in scarcity consciousness and be able to pay up front and really own that and own the training, right? A lot of the times today I see people are like, I don't have the money and I'm like, there's still jobs out there. Like you just work. Mm. (laughs) If you want something, you work for it, you get it, you pay for it. That's exactly right. It's not that hard. Yes. Yes. It's It's a pretty simple equation, isn't it? Yes. And respecting like the energetics (laughs) of money. Yeah. Absolutely. Respecting the energetics of money, respecting the energetics of hard work, paying for your training up front. There's nothing more satisfying. I can tell you now. Mm. And knowing I earned this, I just, this you're starting off from a really good point and that's what the Taoist taught me as well yes pay for things yes it's and it's liberating as well because it's like you're you know that you have um your goal that you're trying to achieve as well and within that you're working really hard to be able to support that Mm -hmm. to reach to reach that and sometimes Mm -hmm. too it's you know we go okay I'm having to be in a job that doesn't really fulfill me. But like you said, you're the observer on the outside. So you go in with a different perspective and you're like, okay, I'm here. This is serving a purpose for now, Mm. but this is allowing me to then go on to be able to step into what I really want to be doing. And so for you, that, that served a purpose, didn't it? Absolutely. And if you could be the observer and have fun Mm. and really enjoy the good things in corporate, you know, I've killed for a long lunch right now. Can one of you please take me to a very expensive <laughs> yes, we should have done, restaurant? We should have done this <laughs> over know, a long, busy lunch. That's just not part of my reality anymore. So you got to enjoy the good stuff. you got to enjoy the overseas trips, the hotels, the lunches, everything else, and be like, okay, yeah. I'm actually going to have fun with this. I'm mm. not going to be too attached. Yeah. And ironically, 
Because when I first started, I was so attached to the promotion, so attached to getting somewhere. When I wasn't attached, I just kept getting promoted and growing Mm -hmm. and everything got better. So there was no drama. Mm. And so... Uh, Oh, yeah, you're in flow. And I think, you know, and that's a thing for young women, isn't it, really, is that when we finish university is that we're so attached to stepping into the into our careers and really trying to step it up in the corporate world and we really tend to follow those like the masculinity of we want to do well we want to earn well and it's like it's like we're fighting the whole time to be able to reach that and when you do step away and let go everything does step into flow but i mean how do we sort of harness that as women because I think um, one of the work that you do do is you do a lot of the archety- archetype work, and so can you share a little bit, um, Sharon, to our to us about the archetype work that you do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, just going back to how do we harness that as women? I wish someone had sat me down <laughs> when I was going into the corporate world and and just basically outlined the rules of the game. Mm. no one ever teaches you the rules of the game and so you find out you know willy-nilly or through lessons or whatever the case may be and the the biggest rule is be yourself allow yourself to be authentic allow yourself to be humble make mistakes you don't have to prove anything to anyone the minute Mm. you accept yourself everyone Mm. else at work accepts you yeah and that's that's the important thing, isn't it? It's coming back to self. And I think we always look outside of self for approval, for accreditation, um, for acknowledgement. And the yeah. important thing that we're forgetting is we're forgetting our authentic self. Mm. Absolutely. And before we go into archetypes, I've noticed and you always see clients and they come in with the same issue and it's the two very different generations. So my generation was told, you are no good. You have to work, you know, a million hours to achieve success, blah, blah, blah. Yep. The basic program of 70s children was you are not good enough. The basic program of 80s, 90s kids was you're better than everyone else. And so, but when they get there, they're not achieving either because of the attitude. Mm. So both got incorrect programming and we can learn a lot from each other right yes we can uh, be more confident in our authentic self and they can learn to chop wood carry water right Mm. yes you are good yes you are amazing but you're not going to get it straight away you have to put in a certain amount of energy and work before it comes to fruition so true Mm. yeah that Uh, is and i just see this pattern over and over with all my clients and it really is a generational gap situation and that's right. the thing. It, who, yeah, it does. Come, it comes sorry. down to it comes down to the programming mm. of what our generations yeah, have been programmed, <laughs> and yeah, you do you see it, <laughs> and it's like out and we actually learn from each other. If I talk to anyone thirty six plus, thirty five plus, sometimes a little bit younger, I'm not good enough. Mm. I'm not going to put myself out there. And so we do a lot of work with archetypes and what archetypes they're carrying. Um, or archetypes they need to work with to empower their work. And then we get younger people who are like, I'm too good to chop wood, carry water, but why isn't it happening? And then they go into anxiety and depression 
that is not happening within five minutes. And you're like, chill out. Mm. You haven't even gone through a season of planting, mm. you know, this intention. How is it just going to manifest like that? Because unfortunately, we have the social media instant manifestation, instant yeah. gratification, which makes everyone believe that you just intend it and it miraculously happens. And sometimes it does. Right, but there's other things at play. Mm. So, if we're looking at archetypes, archetypes are basically um, energies, patterns of behavior that exist in the quantum field. And depending on our culture, our generation, our upbringing, we have chosen to carry some archetypes that help us with our growth and some archetypes that don't help us with our growth. Mm. Part of the deprogramming is going, which archetypes am I still carrying maybe from when I was 12 years old that I don't know I'm carrying? Yeah. Or maybe from my mom or my father or my lineage or my culture mm. that I need to um, deprogram from my system or bring to the light so it's not a shadow. Mm. And which ones do I need to embrace so that I can move forward? And so if I look at myself in the Taoist center, one archetype I really carried from being a teenager was the sex kitten programming. Yes. Right? And there was even a shop in Brisbane, I think it's still there, called Sex Kitten. <laughs> and, you know, go to Sex Kitten, buy all my sex kitten clothes, and <laughs> wow. my whole basis for being uh, was based on how much male attention I got, what kind of boyfriend I had, um, Blah, blah, blah. And so as soon as the Taoists had a look at me, they were like, deprogram, deprogram. And they were like, we're going to deprogram this um, living with valid, living for validation of what you look like because mm -hmm. it's crippling you. That's right. It does. It absolutely cripples you. And that's like the, te the tearing away of the high heels, like the, yes. the image. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The image Dismantling the image. Because then when you have to face people, because this center had 200 members, when you have to face people day in, day out in reception and you are dressed in your pink pajamas, mm. right, you have to find what is within your substance. Yeah. Your essence, coming back to your essence. Yeah. Yeah. You have to discover your essence because there's nothing outward. Because it was... Or cling on to, Right. So sexy kitten, that is one of the archetypes. How many archetypes are there in total? Thousands. Right. Okay. So these, they're kind of similar to like the masks that we might wear. Sorry, what did you say? They're kind of similar to like the masks that we might wear to like go through daily life. Okay. Very similar. Yes. Very similar to masks. So, you know, a typical archetype that we all have is the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. You know, how many of us left home, went through difficulty, were about to give up, and Joseph Campbell talks about this, and then assistance from the spirit world of humans came, and we kept going, and then we came back home, and we had achieved something, right? So we go through a massive hero's journey. Yes. Um, that's one that we're all very familiar with. Most of, most of Hollywood is a hero's journey. It is, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Right, most of Hollywood is the hero's journey. Disney, lots of Lion King, the hero's journey. Yeah, right? <laughs> there's yeah. all that subtlety. Right, it's always he goes out and right, the Lion King, hero's journeys. So um, even Disney characters are archetypes. Disney's full of archetypes. 
that has made women believe all I need is, you know, Cinderella, my pair of shoes mm. to be taken to the ball. Prince Charming's going to come and kiss me. Mm. Everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to live happily ever after. Mm. And, and that's, and it's so not the truth. It's so, it couldn't be further oh, away no. from the truth. No. And that's what we grew up. I was like, I'm going to find my Prince Charming and <laughs> I'm going to marry a man who's, you know, who's who has money. All these stories that we were fed mm. to believe oh, as God. women. Um, and yeah. it was interesting when I did one of your courses and we went through the different archetypes, uh, I was I was so fascinating to see the roles that I'd played, and it was like, yeah, I've, there's been times in my life where I played a slut. <laughs> there's other times where I'd played, you know, the mother, and and it was just really interesting to reflect back on those and just see at the, those times in my life those roles that I had played out. Yes, and. And I think we don't grow up with knowing what archetypes are. And I think if we were to grow up as young women, knowing the archetypes that we can, that we play, that we may play throughout our life, it can help us to shape us into the women that we want to be rather than playing into these, into these roles because it's serve, we think that it serves us, Mm. but in the end, it's actually creating more detriment and harm to us. It defeats us as a person. But that kind of comes back then to the hero's journey, doesn't it? Is that we all have moments throughout our life where there's a catalyst for change. Mm. And to kind of see it through the eyes of non-judgment that this has been a path that we've taken and this has been part of our journey and that we've had to play these roles sometimes for us to reach the point that we are in our lives. But it's so hard to practice that detachment and that non-judgment because there's also that like this is all meant to happen in life kind of thing you know (laughs) absolutely and the thing is right when you're playing out an archetype whether consciously or subconsciously it's exhausting Mm -hmm. because you literally have to have a different energetic layer on top of you so you're acting Mm. yeah yeah. You're acting all day, but not getting paid the big Hollywood bucks too. <laughs> yes. Be constantly acting. Whereas when you're your authentic self and you live from your essence, you don't have this all this extra energy to carry, so you actually have more energy. Mm. Right? And I think a lot of the anxieties that people have and depressions and everything else is because they're not being the true self. Yes. And so, yes, we all played out a lot of these archetypes. Some of them perceived as negative. We needed them at the time to survive. Yeah, definitely. To fit in high school, perhaps the only way we could receive love or what we thought love was at the time, perhaps the Mm. only way we knew or understood that this is how the world works. But as you look back at it, you could literally map out your life and say, which archetype was I playing at at this age, that age, that age, Mm. and just bring them all in front of you and just go, thank you. Mm. thank you for giving me resources I didn't have at the time, but you are now free to go. I have found my authentic self and I'm divorcing you all. Yeah. And all this energy come back to you because you're like finally letting go of all those additional energies that are no longer needed in your system. That bless and release. So is that how sort of um, women can come back into their 
authentic self and their natural essence is simply firstly starting with awareness of what the archetypes are and then asking them to leave or creating that space between them and then shifting into your natural kind of essence? Is that how you usually coach people through it? Make it sound very simple, which yeah. is the way. But, uh, it's, okay, it's programs as well. Yeah. So whenever a program comes in, like I have to be married by 30, have a mortgage and have two kids, where does that come from? Mom, dad, the, the ad on TV, mm-hmm. right? A movie I saw when I was eight years old. And you have to start deconstructing programs and going, is that what I really, really want? Is that what my heart really, really wants? Or is it what everyone else wants? And I think I have to have it too. Mm-hmm. That's why you get a lot of people that get, you know, there's a lot of people out there that actually get the perceived happier after but then they fall into massive depressions because it's not really what they authentically wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen many clients as well who get the banking prints and the house and the three kids, and they're like, I just want to run away, Sharon, and literally mm-hmm. leave my husband and children. This is not what I wanted. Yeah, right? because... Just like there's some people that do want that. So no one can tell you what you should want. This is something that you need to discover for yourself. And it comes back to what am I really excited about? What am I passionate about? What do I deeply care about? What deeply triggers me as well that I want to change in the world? And these are the little clues to lead you to the right path. One clue that I like from a very old teacher, you say, when you go to a library, which books do you naturally gravitate to first? Mm, That's a big clue. That's so nice. And I think that's a really lovely way to look at also how to approach like your purpose in life is through curiosity, like what sparks that curiosity or that joy and follow that because a lot of time that can, you know, your passions or your purpose can follow after that. Absolutely. Um, Confession time. When I was, I think, seven or eight years old, I went to my friend's house and her brother, her teenage brother, had a book on hypnosis. Mm. He had, you, know, you can change your life through hypnosis or something. And I stole it. And There's a little clue that. right there, isn't there? That little clue. <laughs> I forgot this. And then when I heard in a dream one day from my spirit team, we want you to become a hypnotherapist, and they reminded me of that little clue, I was like, I could have saved myself. <laughs> <laughs> And 10 years in yeah. corporate, if I'd listened to that little clue yes. from my higher self, feeling that hypnosis book when I was a little girl. Yes. <laughs> but your soul probably knew. Right? You, yeah, that's right. There was other plans for you in the yeah. meantime. <laughs> your soul probably needed to have, like, that realisation through going through corporate, though, to then have, like, that realisation that that <laughs> yes. wasn't it. <laughs> Because I was like, let's learn, let's yeah, learn the so, long way. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I have a nephew who's about to choose his uni course, and I'm just like, just relax. Yeah. Just go and try a few things, see how you feel, see what really interests you, what you're really passionate about. Don't mm. listen to your parents. I hope my brother doesn't listen to I was going to say, what are his parents saying? <laughs> 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 right, just just follow your bliss. Um, I mean, that is. Oh God, no, 
you, Auntie Sharon. <laughs> I think that's the best. It's such, you know, great advice. And I have two little ones now. And that's going to be the same advice from me when they're older is to really, you know, go out there, experience the world. When you finish year 12, go out and travel and mm-hmm. then see what you naturally gravitate towards rather than, you know, pigeonholing them into an education that perhaps they don't want to even enter into. Mm. Um and that way, it's like you said, it sparks that curiosity um, to be able to then go, actually, connecting into my heart, what is it that, you know, is truly that I want to do? Mm, exactly. Yeah. Because I feel like at 17, we don't have enough life experience to actually know what are the possibilities out there. So we just kind of pick something. And then a lot of people do have that, like, yeah, this is what I want to do and can stick with it. But, I mean, majority of people do something and then down the track, they're like, no, this isn't it. Well, there's a calling. There's something that's calling within you, isn't it? It's like, actually, this isn't isn't serving me. Mm. So we know that you do. Sorry, when you do the authenticity work, when you get back to who you really are, right, because we all change our personalities to fit in, Mm. especially in high school. Mm, that conformity. We all change personalities. We all change the way we, we behave. We betray ourselves in a big, big way. So when you start doing the work to come back to yourself, to your essence, to who you are, then it's easier to know what you want to do mm, because these additional layers of betrayal and confusion are not in your energy field. Mm, yeah. See, that's fascinating. It, that. it is. It's so, there's so much betrayal that happens in our younger years, isn't there, of um, really sacrificing who we are so we can fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do hurt ourselves mm-hmm. along the way because mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to be in a group that maybe doesn't really, we don't really fit in, but we're changing our authentic self mm-hmm. to to be in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for young women, young women that are going through puberty, what are some things that you would recommend for them um, sort of being able to navigate that big change, that hormonal change, that change in, from a young girl into a young woman? How would okay. you? If I, could, if I could have it done for myself again, I'd really like everything to have been explained properly. As in, you know, it was all very hush-hush. Mm. Here's your pants. Mm. You're now a woman. No matter what. <laughs> right? <laughs> what does this even mean? I know. I was like, Here, here's a pad. You've got your period. <laughs> there was no, there was no, <laughs> there was no rituals, was there? Or, you know, there was no explanations as to, you know, what a period was. Absolutely. Young women, I actually feel, have the capacity to understand um, the dynamics of how the uterus works, the menstrual cycle, the hormones. You know, just saying you're going to be having hormones which are going to make you feel a certain way, Mm. right? And then when you kind of understand why you're feeling a certain way throughout the month, you can actually make sense of it. You don't think you're going crazy. You don't think, what's wrong with me? You actually have a good scientific understanding of what's going on. So that's a science. Yeah. But then we need to move on to what's going on at a metaphysical level. And it's the blossoming um, into a young woman. And any kind of transition 
such as menstruation, motherhood, menopause, needs a ritual to acknowledge um, a new era for yourself, a new way of being. Mm. And so ideally you would have your mother or your grandmothers or family members honor you as you go through that transition and explain to you what it means to be a woman and how self-esteem is really important. We all, I think we all suffer from lack of self-esteem as we're going through this transition. Mm. Most of us become really dorky at right? When you look yeah. back at the photos, mm. you're like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I look like a Disney character, but not in a good sense. No. <laughs> as, you're, as you're going through these transitions, if, um, if all of this is explained, and also tools and techniques on dealing with the overwhelm, dealing mm-hmm. with the loneliness, dealing with the new libido, right? Yeah. What yes. do I do with this extra sexual energy? Yeah. Oh, I must be bad. Mm. Oh, I'm being pressured. Does that mean I should be having sex? Like you got to have these open conversations and that's part of the transmission from mother to daughter, ideally, mm. where all these things are talked about in a frank and non-judgmental way. You know, what do I do with male attention? Mm. How do I handle male attention? How do I handle my own boundaries saying no? Uh, none of these things were taught to me, for example. Mm. So I had no idea. And I know this happens to a lot of young girls when you're 12, 13, and you get, you know, a 27 or 28-year-old coming up to you. It's very overwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right? Completely overwhelming. It could be considered harassment nowadays, but back in the day, it's like, I, I actually don't know what to do with this. <laughs> mm. yeah, my it's awkward. Is it my fault? Mm. Awkward. Yeah. Oh, so um, so young much. women need to just be told uh, consent boundaries um what's really going on out there the body love it breaks my heart to see so many young women you know removing all pubic hair getting early boob jobs Mm. all that kind of stuff truly truly breaks my heart because that self-acceptance work needs to happen at puberty otherwise it becomes really hard as you Mm. grow older and you you would see that as well, like I do in clinic, is that, you know, that is yeah. that is so pinnacle for the rest of a woman's journey of that self-acceptance because you don't have it through puberty. You, you don't have it in your 20s. You don't have it in your 30s. Yeah. There's still that self-lacking of self-love. And then um, how, as women, then do we pass that down to if we do go and have children? So it's like that constant, like, vicious cycle of not empowering our young women. And that's what you, I mean. Equally. Hang on. What equally heartbreaking is when I, when I meet women who are like seven years old mm-hmm. and they're still in the loop. Yes. Yeah. Right. Not good enough. My hair, my uh, facelifts, my this, my that. And so what happened? I think it's part of the program to keep women at a certain level because if we spend all our energy focused on our looks, um, we don't have any time to discover our essence, our soul's growth, our true purpose, who we are as women because then the whole energy, all our energy is spent on all the things that we need to take as a woman compared to what men have to take, right? Yep. The hair. Eyebrows, the this, the that, the that, the that. It's oh, like, goes no. on. There's this, like, there's no time left for anything else. Whereas most men, and this is has always fascinated me, they could be what society maybe doesn't deem attractive, and they're like, yeah, I'm good enough. 
Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we've really done a number on women. <laughs> we have. It's, yeah. And that's that's been the programming, hasn't it, through society of a way a woman should be, act. We've been dialed down, numbed down, so – you know, and the pill's a perfect example of that. So we can stop being at our most expressive self because, you know, women that women that are that, we're deemed powerful and that becomes a threat. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's it's it. unacceptable. But it even happens, you know, in the new age industries. They also have programs as to what women should look and act like. Mm. You know, if you're a healer or if you're a healing facilitator, you must look, you must be wearing this type of dress and this type of bag and this type of altar. Mm. And so we keep doing it to each other mm. as well. And yeah. it's like, you know, let's just embrace pure individuality and the essence of everyone oh, and love- not force particular mm. standards of ways of looking onto people because it's like putting everyone in cages but also allowing ourselves to be put in a cage. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Right? And when you're put in a cage of how you should look or act or be like, then your essence can't flow. And yes, when the essence can flow and you step into your power, it's very confronting, not only to men, but also to women. It's like, oh, what is that energy? I don't know that energy. So I feel threatened by it. Yes. Because to get that energy, I'm actually going to have to look deep within. And that is terrifying. Mm. And yeah. so. You do come in, and on that, I guess it's a nice little segue into sort of the shadow work that you do. Uh, can you talk, I mean, because for us, it's like growing up, it was my shadow was, that was something to be feared. It was like, oh, oh, okay, let's just pack that up and put that in the corner over there and pretend that that doesn't exist. Mm. And so <laughs> how can we learn to embrace our shadow? Mm. Okay, the best thing to know about the shadow is if we don't embrace it or at least acknowledge it, it's going to keep coming out in really harmful ways. Because mm. it doesn't go away. It's always there. Yeah. Right? But it may come out as sabotage, um, making sure that instead of choosing, say, the right partner, you choose someone else because the shadow is playing out or choosing work that doesn't allow the true essence of you to come out. Mm. So the shadow can really uh, cause havoc in your life. So it's a bit like archetypes. Archetypes have a positive and a negative, right? Shadow is the darker aspects of yourself that you don't want to look at. Now, this is where it gets tricky. If you know you have it, so if you know you're jealous or a saboteur or a gossip or whatever the shadow may be, that's not a shadow. That's just a negative aspect of yourself that you have to work with. A shadow, a true shadow, you can't even see. Mm. Right? So the only way to get a true shadow revealed back to you is with a good facilitator. So whenever I go, like whenever I have sessions for myself, I say to my teachers, tell me the truth. And of course we're going to tell you the truth. And then when they tell you the truth, you're not like, oh, yeah, I knew that. You're like, oh, wow, ouch, that hurt. Mm. But thank you for showing me the shadow that I'm carrying so I can now take the steps to heal it. Yes. Mm. Amazing. I love that. Right? And again, yeah, like archetypes, 
they come at a point in your life where you really need them. Like, for example, mm. you may have grown up in a home where your parents were always working, so you needed a shadow of a bully to protect yourself, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And then you carry the shadow from six years old and you still have the shadow, but it's never come out. And life reflects it back to you, yeah. but you haven't connected the dots and you don't have the awareness to fully see that every encounter is 50-50, not always someone else's fault. It's about having full responsibility for your energy. If I meet someone who's really angry in the street, what in my energy field has caused the angry person to target me? It's Mm. 50-50. That's a really great way. And so we start taking that level of responsibility. We have more awareness to pause and look at the shadows that are being reflected back to us. So in Qigong, when I was at the Taoist Center, um, the teacher used to say that whoever came to the class was a reflection of me and my Dan Tian at the time. So if I had a really angry class, you'd be like, were you angry? Yes. Sad class. Were you sad, Sharon? Yes. Right? (laughs) Frustrated class. The students were always a reflection of my energy at the moment because they were coming to class in response to my Dantian power. And whatever energy I was working with that day was uh, caused the students to come that reflected that energy. Mm. And you've seen it in clinic too, I'm sure. You're having a certain type of day and then every client comes in with the same issue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have like trends throughout like days. We yeah. do. Yeah. 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 If you have one or two that are a trend, you have to sit back and go, okay. What? Why is this coming up? Why is this coming up? Mm. What are you all reflecting back to me? This is Mm. powerful mirror work. Yes. That I'm not looking at within myself. Yes. So, and that's the, and that's the message, isn't it? It's always a reflection back to self. Yes. Always. Always. So you can't blame them. No. You gotta just look back and say, thank you for being my mirror. Mm. Right. I'm going to sit now and just, Start look by a meditation, whatever practice you do, find what it is that is in, in you that you don't want to acknowledge. And then when you acknowledge it, it doesn't have to be a full on scary process. It's like, oh, oh wow. Mm. Maybe I have been very competitive with a sister lately. Mm. Maybe no, that's not cool. Mm. I forgive myself. I didn't even know that was happening. Mm. And then it releases, it can go, and the pattern doesn't come back. So I know how well my clinic is doing by the level of um, consciousness that the clients are coming. If they're coming with the same old emotional stuff, I really got to go back and do some emotional work. If they're coming with the more esoteric spiritual things, I'm like, okay, now we're making progress. It's a reflection of me. Mm. Yeah. Right? When people come and see me because they – I don't know, they want to contribute to the world. I'm like, oh, oh, really work on their soul's growth. It's not mm. good or bad. It's just showing me where I'm at at the moment. And it's not one or the other. It's a spiral. Mm. But it's just reflecting which aspect of the spiral you are in in that moment. I love that. Yeah, because it's like what you don't like in someone else is actually can be a reflection of what you don't like in yourself. Yes. Does that, that make sense? What yes. you don't, yeah. yeah. What you don't like in other people is a reflection of, yeah, what you don't like now, in yourself. It can be a reflection or it can be, and this is going to sound awful, but sometimes we do need to step away from some of the 
spiritual teachings that are out there and be like, you're just being an asshole. Mm. Like sometimes you also got to call it like it is. Oh, it's yeah. part of having power and calling it like it is. Because at the moment, there's a lot of fear around calling things like it is. You know, ooh, 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 can't yeah. say that, can't say this. It must be me. So it's a very fine balance between what is reflecting you and what is generally bad behavior. Mm, true. Yeah. And yeah. being able to have the awareness to know what bit's yours or what bit is just, it just is. Yeah. 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 Just calling it. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sharon, I'd really love now to kind of change gears into, we talk a lot in clinic about how our stories begin in our wombs. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that you do a lot of work with womb healing, womb lineage yeah. work. We also say, like, as women, we are told to use our brains to connect to our hearts, but we feel that little is ever said of actually connecting to our womb space, which can be seen as our essence, our powerhouse. And as women, I feel like we're never taught this. We're never taught this in school. And these are the conversations that we do want to see more of, especially from, you know, young girls going through their men arc and then also pregnancy and, you know, birthing of self and birthing of a child. Um, It's such a ripple effect to always come back to the space of the womb. Are you able to kind of talk us through your work that you do with the womb and how you incorporate that into your healing? Absolutely. And this is, again, this is one of the things I wish someone had told me at a young age. Yeah. Uh, right. So with womb work, um, if you look at the womb, it basically is, at a metaphysical level, a stargate. Okay. And the reason why it's a stargate is because it allows the passage of a soul to be birthed into this dimension. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's a stargate, it is heavily... Um, corrupted a lot of the times or there's a lot of programming in there, negative ancestral programming, negative patriarchal programming, religious programming that we hold in our womb. And then we also hold stories in our womb. We hold negative ancestral stories. We hold our own negative stories and feelings and anything related to that sexual center. And so when I first started working with a womb, um, the first message I got is in order to fully harness the power of womb, you need to clear and cleanse it. Mm-hmm. And cleansing the womb is cleansing it of the programs, the belief systems, the ancestral patterns, the black magic, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, other partners that are there mm-hmm. that hold you back. Because once you start cleansing that, it actually allows the stargate or the place where the light enters to open. And so the creativity received into the womb is completely different to the creativity that we get by the pineal gland, by the brain, because it is a earthy, goddessy, right? It has a completely mm. different frequency type of creativity. It's abundant, it's spiral, it's just lush. And so I found that in my own life when I worked very heavily on cleansing my womb and the start. And I'm not saying it's always hundred percent clean. Like that's a nearly impossible job in today's society, but there's a lot that you can do to keep it energetically clean. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you start clean, cleansing it, now there's space 
for this creativity, pure creativity to enter, which is a direct connection to source consciousness. Yeah. Right? So the womb receives and the womb births children, creativity, projects, whatever you want. The, the best thing about working via the womb for me, though, has been that it's original creativity. Whereas the pineal takes concepts that are out there and reframes them or repackages them, the womb brings through completely original thoughts, ideas, inspiration, just like it brings through, you know, hardly anyone in the world looks exactly the same, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it just shows you the power of that Stargate Mm -hmm. because everyone, unless you're twins, looks different. Yeah. And has different gifts and different abilities. That means that the gifts that come through the womb are different. Mm. And they inherit you and your own relationship, the relationship of your essence to source consciousness. Mm. Oh, my gosh, I so love that. It's absolutely phenomenal what can happen when you start that deep relationship with your womb and have an ongoing cleansing process and you then allow yourself to receive because it's a lot of women have problems receiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's an issue. Yeah. We're right? givers. We wounds. Mm. So unless we can receive all that light from source consciousness into a womb, all those blessings, clear the programs of not good enough, not deserving, not valued, lack of self-worth, clear all those programs, allow the light to come in. I find that women are experiencing a greater level of creativity, purpose, and being. Mm. If someone said to me in their early 20s, what should I do with my life? I'd be like, why don't we cleanse your womb first Mm. and let's see what happens. Oh, my gosh, I love that. Let's see what consciousness flows in. Mm. Yes. Magic. Imagine if young girls were taught this from an early age as well. To also then you don't have to do so much work on like the cleansing because you have that awareness of connection into your womb. So then for maybe some girls who are listening, young women or um, women who feel like they do want to go down a cleansing of their womb kind of pathway, Mm -hmm. is it best to reach out to a energetic practitioner that can facilitate this or can they do any practices at home that can start this process? Well, I've got, um, which Amanda has kindly joined, there's a three-month program called The Empress and the Dragon, which teaches you how to do some of these practices at home. And it's Mm. actually quite easy. It starts allowing you to connect to your essence and do the womb cleansing practices at home. Amazing. And start to receive. However, there's not many people who... I could count only in my hand only a couple in Melbourne that are mm. working with knowing what to cleanse out of the womb mm. um, and what to look for as well because any kind of womb work also involves some ancestral healing too. So that's part of it as well, right? Uh, connection to your ancestral lineage also happens via the womb. And so it's important to clear some of those patterns as well. And so with with that, can you talk, I feel like sort of we're the first generation where we've been able to really start to heal our ancestral lineage, you know, we're sort of that post-war generation. Um, now, what are some of the 
you know, I've been to quite a few of your courses and they're just incredible in terms of how we're actually able to, how you facilitate that and also to the transformation that happens by tapping into our ancestral lineage. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what you do there? Because it is such important work that you are doing. So so needed, and I love it. So basically, if you imagine your ancestors, um, you have an ancestral soul, okay? And maybe a way of looking at it is, let's call it an ancestral dream catcher. Imagine an ancestral dream catcher where you and all your ancestors are there. That has happened. All the traumas um, in your ancestral soul are basically bits of the dream catcher that have been torn off or are not there anymore or are falling apart or not acknowledged or not healed. So, for example, if you have um, within the ancestral soul a pattern of war, right, um, and someone, say, great-great-grandfather went to war, suffering PTSD, was never healed, he crossed over, someone down the line, whether it be the next generation or 10 generations later is going to carry that so it can be healed. Mm. So they may be 18 years old and going, I've got PTSD. I don't know why I've got PTSD. What's going on with me? Mm. It's not theirs. They have a subconscious loyalty to the grandfather that was in the war. And so everything in your lineage that hasn't been spoken about that hasn't come up for acknowledgement and honoring is secrets festering away being passed down from generation to generation until someone heals it. Mm. And that, and and it's going to and that's the thing it's kind of it, it it stays in the loop doesn't it until until someone acknowledges it yep. and and until someone can actually start to heal that and ready to do the work and ready to do it's the like work. I'll give you an example from family constellations training this week. If say you have an ancestor that was jilted at the altar and it was all hush-hushed. No one ever talked about it. They married someone else. It was never acknowledged that they were in love, but they were jilted at the, at the altar. Five generations down, you may end up being jilted at the altar. Yeah. It's patterns. Yes. That because like, someone has to feel it. It's like the To karmic. heal it. Yeah. And acknowledge it and honor it. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Even things that think about, they get passed down as well. And so our job is to find out what those patterns are and heal them. Mm. And, uh, and and so how does how does someone start? Do you know what I mean in terms of if they if they're questioning their ancestral lineage or they're they're feeling like there's something that's you know brewing that that, that they can't necessarily put their their pulse the finger on the pulse. Yeah, a lot of these feelings, um, normally you know there's secrets, but you haven't been told. Yes. But you just have yeah. a feeling. You just and know. You it's that it. knowing, isn't it? I, I kind of know. You just kind of know, and, and it's very uncomfortable. But first of all, if you can, do some research. Mm. So I've been doing a lot of research, asking grandparents or other family members, you know, what, where did they come from, any Stories. I've got my mum on this right now. She's finding out from all the family around the world. Tell me all the tragedies. What did people do? Tell me all the good stories, the bad stories. I want to know everything. 
Mm. Right, because I want to know what patterns I'm carrying. Yes. If you don't have access to that, it doesn't matter. I don't have access to all of it either. Things like family constellations groups, ancestral healing ceremonies, ancestral sessions will reveal the patterns that need to be healed. Mm, okay. Incredible. Amazing. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. But if you have a pattern that you think, oh my God, I've worked on this so much, but hmm, my mom has it. Mm. And yes. grandma has it. Mm-hmm. That's an pattern. And I'm doing that now. <laughs> I'm working on some yeah. ancestral lineage patterns right now. <laughs> and they're usually those things that keep coming up for you. And it's that feeling of, I can't ignore this. This is something that just keeps yeah. presenting itself to me in all different kinds of situations. You kind of, you do have that deep yeah. knowing where you're like, I need to work on this. Absolutely. And sometimes when you look at any pattern, you can break it down in a quite a left brain way. How much of this pattern is ancestral? Mm. How much of it is mine? How much of it is collective? Sometimes mm. we pick up collective patterns. Yes. Right? Or friendship patterns. So you see friendship groups have the same kind of patterns. So sometimes the pattern can be collective mm. or it's a program, right? There was enough of this pattern in this TV show when I was growing up and I've somehow adopted it as part of my reality. Yeah. Right? So the list can go on and on. And part of the, the journey, the spiral is working with the different layers of the onion, mm. disentangling and weaving the pattern. Mm. There's so much healing that needs to be done, isn't there? Mm. It's a lot of work. Mm. <laughs> but it's all for it's all for <laughs> But it's all yeah, for it's the greater good. And it's all it's you know, and that then also heals future generations yeah. as well. So yeah. when they don't have to do the work or they'll be doing some other different work. Yes. You're freeing them. You are free. Like for example, when you do the womb clearing work and then you have a baby. Or even if you've had the baby and then do the womb clearing work, your child receives all the benefits, mm, which so means yeah. that when they have children, they don't have to go as, do as much womb clearing work as you have done. Mm. Right. So it just keeps flowing. But I was, um, I went to my, um, psychotherapist for my supervision and I think she's like nearly 70 anyway. And she said, Oh, I had a client come and see me. She's 75. She's working on this pattern. And I'm like, what, what? I, like, I just had this shock. Don't tell me I'm going to be working on that. Yeah. <laughs> it never like, ends. And it's like, you're working on everything until you die, Sharon, until you're done. Yeah. We so, signed up for that. It's the human experience, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> There's never a point of, like, arriving, like, made it. <laughs> but there's a point of... So you kind of make peace with it and you go, I'm going to have fun regardless. Mm-hmm. But you get to a point of when it comes... It doesn't make your life fall apart anymore. Mm. You have enough awareness to go, okay, I've got a toolkit for this kind of thing, or if I don't, can't do it on my own, I've got a little black book of awesome people to con- contact, yeah. and I'm not on my own. So when you get to that point, everything just gets easier no matter what you keep, keep, keep sorry, no matter what keeps being thrown out at you. Yeah, mm. it does. And that's like the path of like least resistance, like just feeling in flow with it and, okay, this is coming up, cool. Like I've got this to work through with it and to kind of create that space between it. I mean, it sounds so like, yeah, that's so easy. <laughs> it's not always going to be like that. But, yeah, that kind of path to least resistance, I think that's a nice kind of way to, to look at it as well. 
And having that conscious awareness as well, I think, isn't it really? Once it does come into your energetic field mm. yeah, of being able to go, yeah, okay, like you said, I see that pattern again. Mm. Um, we're just, it's an opportunity just to go in and, and delve a little deeper, isn't it? And even with emotions. Mm. Being anxious, oh, okay. Mm. Whose anxiety is this? Yes. anxiety, is it the full moon and everyone's feeling anxious so I'm just picking up on it all? Ancestral anxiety, my anxiety, my partner's anxiety, my client's anxiety. Mm. When you start breaking it down and giving back the bits that aren't yours and owning the bit that's yours, it gets a lot easier. Mm. Because it is simply by even just asking that question and the first intuitive thought that comes to mind is always the right one. And so you're like, okay, no, that's not mine. All right, well, you just, I'm going to actually take a moment here to pause and acknowledge it and let it go. And let it go. Yeah, just let it go. Mm. I had a really good reminder about this a few months ago. I had a physical symptom and I was doing my head in with it and then had a session. It wasn't even mine. <laughs> oh, you're like, oh, that's a relief. It's not mine. I can let that go. Oh my God. I can hand it back and then it got better. Wow. Sometimes the physical symptoms are not ours. No, that's right. They're right. not. So it's not just yeah. emotions, it's the programs, it's the physical symptoms. Some archetypes are not even ours. So a lot of this work is that clearing that I talk about. You know, it's very hard to put the good stuff in unless you've done some kind of clearing first, right? Yes. All shamanic traditions have um, elements of clearing before you do additional work. Yes. So it's important that when you're going to be working with a whim, you cleanse it all out first and start noticing what's mine, what's not mine, and then you can start receiving all the creative input. Mm. Mm. Bring on that cosmic consciousness. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my> gosh, yes. <laughs> Let that creativity of Swati Stana just flow. And, you know, what I love is that when you break down the word womb, it has om in it which means mother creation. So it's like we have this creative force living and breathing within us, that infinite potential that's unbounded from that time that we're born. And, you know, we do have, I guess, through influences of society and whatnot that do can shape our womb and shape our experiences as well. Mm. Absolutely. And your womb won't let you down. No. Your womb wants to receive what's right. Yes. Yes. I think that's an important message. If you hear the sweet voice of your womb, then you'll know, is this job right for me? Is this partner right for me? Is this right for me? You will know because your womb will will allow it in or contract. Whereas a lot of times the womb's been contracted and we've forced it in. Mm. (laughs) A violation of ourselves. I want to make this happen because I'm supposed to make it happen, whatever. Forced it in. It's too much. So part of this healing of the womb is just making it safe for the womb to state what it wants to birth and what it wants to receive. Mm. And there is that, and that's what I love in Chinese medicine is the through the bao mai, the connection of the heart to womb. It's such a, an important, you know, relationship to foster because, you know, we say happy heart, happy uterus, and it is Absolutely. tapping into the essence of the heart, which is the spirit and our soul, but then connecting that down to our womb where we can create and birth and we can create and birth through whatever stages of our life. 
Mm-hmm. And so do you, um, do you ever have, do you ever with your patients, do they ever do sort of like a heart to womb meditation or how do you strengthen that heart to womb connection? When someone comes in, it's important to see which one is it the heart or the womb that's the issue or that's under energy or that needs cleansing and everyone's going to be different. Yes. Right? We're working on a very case-by-case basis. Obviously, when we do workshops, it's different, but then you get uh, the benefit of the energy of the group. Um, So it's like a rocket fuel when you do a workshop, whereas when you do one-to-one, it's that more personalized, just like you guys do in Chinese medicine. Yeah. Right? What's under, what's over, um, is there so much heart pain here that the womb's never going to, not going to feel safe for a long time, yes. right? Is the womb so contracted and has been so violated that we need to work somewhere else first mm. and everyone will kind of lead me to where we need to go. Yeah. So it's listening to their body and their wisdom versus um, having an assumption when they come in. Yeah, that's very true. Like that, that womb wisdom, the womb never lies. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes people need to start somewhere else. It may not be the womb or the heart. Maybe we need to do inner child work or shadow work or ancestral work, whatever is the priority for the person of the day, and they're ready to actually process and accept mm. in their life. Yeah. Because, as you know, um, from running workshops as well, um, Amanda, not everyone is ready to accept it at that time. No, that's so true. Even in the dragon, I've been doing it for three years now. And some women who maybe did the first one are like, oh, I get it now three years later. Mm. Yeah. it's And that's the thing. It sometimes takes that long to be able to process, doesn't it? Um, and where yeah. you really are, where you are in your journey, and we're all at different points and different stages of our journey. And that's – and if you're really, like, ready and truly, you know, there to receive the message. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Now, Sharon, we always finish off with a question uh, and the question that we'd like to ask you is, Belt, if you, so I guess everything we spoke about um, and where we've had conversations before about, you know, if the world could just look like this, if, you know, girls were taught about womb connection right before, you know, they get into all of this womb cleansing work, what would the world look like? So we'd really love to ask you if you have thought of the ideal world that you'd like to live in and kind of what that would look like. Oh, <laughs> okay. If I could have a magic wand for the ideal wor- world yes. I'd like to live in, I'd like to see a world that's seriously um, reconnected to nature, mm. reconnected to natural order, natural cycles, natural living, and the adequate re-education of not just the women but the men, mm. right? Um, that is so important. And rites of passage put back in again, um, elders being active put back in again, basically tribal living. Mm. That would be amazing. But we have a long way to go. <laughs> mm. And we have a lot of corruption on this planet. We have a lot of shadow on this planet. So we all actually... I feel have been called at this time to be here and to do a massive cleanup job first. Yes, we so, are in the well, so, right. Mm. The wombs have to be cleansed because a lot of things have to be cleansed at this moment. Mm. You know, the church, politics, mm. 
everything else. And it's about time we accepted that that has to be cleansed and that that has to go uh, for new ways to come in. Mm. Right. And hopefully it'll happen. I love that. In your children's children's lifetime. Yes. I just got the shivers then. <laughs> I like to think so that we, we are on our way to that. I like to think that that is a possibility for the future and with everything that's going on with the destruction of the natural environment, with the politicians who we don't really align with, I feel like it's also beautiful in the way that they then – pull us out of complacency and the people that don't align with that they stand up for then what they truly believe i mean seeing like the climate change um all throughout like the whole world on friday how everyone got together and um stood in solidarity against climate change it's seeing that the world is shifting i think Mm -hmm. so that's always a beautiful reminder that i think we're heading in the right direction (laughs) We've never had this much consciousness yeah. available us on our planet. No. So sometimes we need to remember that our elders, they annoy us or may not be the way we want them to be, or we may be critical of the way that we grew up, but they didn't have this consciousness available. Mm. No. Yeah, exactly. And this consciousness is amazing. And so if anything, if anyone's not taking advantage of what's here right now, you need to do some work because this is phenomenal. Yeah. And there's not many times in history where we've had this kind of consciousness come into the planet. Yes. Yes. This is that pivotal time now. Absolutely. Yes. Love that. Yeah. Amazing. And just to finish off, what day are you in your cycle? We, we always talk a little bit about cycle awareness. Cycle check-in. The cycle check-in. I'm actually menstruating today. Oh, amazing. Day one. Yes. So, Welcome, Flo. How, how are, you, are you feeling? Yeah. So it's actually, um, I thought it was interesting that that happened this morning. I'm like, oh, and then I'm speaking to you guys. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm having a, apart from this call, I'm not doing much of anything today. Good. Honoring yeah. your cycle, honoring that yin time. Yeah, honoring the yin time and just taking it easy today. Mm. Beautiful. Love that. Yeah. Mads, where are you in in your cycle? I'm currently day 10. How are you feeling? Uh, well, I've got a little bit of a throat thing going on. <laughs> Other than that, I, uh, I'm feeling a little tired at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I'm feeling quite pulled in a lot of directions. So I'm looking forward to heading to Bali with Sharon for the mm-hmm. plant ceremonialist training. Um <laughs> And just giving myself some, you know, downtime and to come back into self and to work with self. I'm really craving that at the moment. That's what I need. Mm. And you, Bells, what day are you? I'm day 12, so I'm coming up to ovulation. So I'm getting ready for that social time. I'm feeling a lot more outward of my energy. I've just, you know, gone through the menstruation where it's all inwards and nurturing itself, and now I'm like, Ready to shine, ready to go out and play. (laughs) You are coming out. Yeah. (laughs) Coming out, ready to play. Yep. Bring on the fun. Yep, that's it. That's it. Love it. But, yeah, it's so incredible when you tap into that, that those natural rhythms of the body, like we can harness those and optimise for certain, you know, changes in our life and for certain 
and then remembering the natural rhythms of the planet. We had spring equinox mm. yesterday. Yes, yes. true. Right? And the energy is still around for another couple of days. If anyone wants to honor the transition into spring, the goddess birthing mm. and flowering and all of that. So a great time to make flower mandalas, mm. be with yourself, be with your essence, just do little rituals in nature and just acknowledging that we are now in spring. Mm -hmm. amazing well happy spring happy spring (laughs) (laughs) happy blossoming that was the word that was on my mind was blossoming blossoming. blossoming, allowing everything to blossom now so that's beautiful it's a good time it's my favorite time of the year all the flowers are out yes nests out like it's amazing it's It's a beautiful change isn't it it's labor season we're all feeling fun and connected yeah yeah. it's been a cold winter so (laughs) bring on that beautiful warm weather and oh my gosh yes and the blossoming yeah here we are to the blossoming well so lady i want to say thank you so much and here's to both of you creating a blossoming podcast series thank you Right. It's been an honor to be your first guest. Thank you so much, Amanda, and lovely to meet you, Bella. You're both amazing. I know you're doing amazing work with women, um, with all the work that you do and all the work that Amanda does as well with the yoga, the fertility yoga. That's phenomenal Mm. as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you. I mean, it's such an honor to have you on our podcast, our first podcast, and to kick it off all about, you know, the womb and healing and ancestral lineage and you know, we will put up onto the show notes where people can find you, all the courses that you're running, your Qigong courses, um, all the rituals and ceremonies that you do as well. Your work is so important and it's bringing, you know, huge, profound changes. Um, so thank, thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's been incredibly amazing to talk with you. I um, think I'm going to come into booking to see you. <laughs> come to do the course yeah i would love to they're life-changing i think i'm going to come on to a course i mean look i'm booked out i kid you not till the end of jan um it's just crazy i was booked out till december and then i left jan open not thinking anyone's gonna book in and then i looked in my diary and i was like oh my god everyone's booked into jan already Mm. so I'm, i'm very lucky and i'm yeah, very grateful. Just That's amazing. Me. It goes to show that um, people really want this work. Yeah, they do. They do. need it. Absolutely. Mm. Your next, Shaz is like next level. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh! When I did the when I did the rose uh, the rose quartz that facilitation, I was just blown away. I was like, wow, you're just you. connected on a completely you know other dimension mm. and. Yeah, it's an, just such a privilege to be in the presence of of your work that you do. Um, Thank you. Well, I like to say to people, I mean, you know, I've been training for 17 years. <laughs> it shows, you know. That's right. You do the work. I've been a lot of work and I've had a lot of amazing, from the Taoist masters to other um, witchcraft teachers and shamanism teachers and everyone else. I just want to mm. acknowledge the long lineage of people that have trained me to do the work that I do, and now I'm passing this work on to other people, so the cycle never ends. Mm. And um, it's just, yeah, it's good to acknowledge that it's good that it, you know, it didn't happen overnight. Mm. It took a no. long time. 
and it's always growing and developing as well so Mm. it's the evolution of consciousness yeah absolutely yeah (laughs) well thanks sharon thanks again have a good day Bye. Bye. bye thanks bye bye This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.